In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Anson's Podcast. I'm Blaine. And I'm Sam. And... It is snowing in Colorado right now. The downside of this is that when the weather is nice, it feels less apocalyptic. And when the weather is bad, I can sort of picture myself wearing coyote pelts, wandering the hills in search of deer. You know, to be fair, Blaine, that sort of happens anytime it snows. You just start getting a little trapperly. That's true. Yeah, not pandemic specific, but no, no, that one applies anytime. We are going to have a conversation today about one of the intriguing powers with which people are endowed to shape reality. And you may be thinking, am I a firebender? The answer is yes, hopefully. <laughs> Wow, two uh, Avatar references in as many months. That's pretty impressive. I actually had a friend ask me recently, you keep mentioning Avatar. Are you watching through it right now? And I said, no. In I've your just mind seen all the time. every episode 10 times at least. There's this whole set of practices inside the Bible that include prayer and include the disciplines that are treated as though... They are the way we determine the future. We talked in a recent podcast where we just mentioned that reality of prayer. Richard Foster writes, is the way we co-determine the future with God. But it's not the only practice in that set. And we wanted to dive into one of the most prominent ones in the Bible as a story, which happens to be, da-da-da-da, blessing and cursing. Yay! Sorry, I feel like there should be cheering after you do a da-da-da-da. And before we can go into blessing and cursing, we do have to address their status in the world right now, which is basically ridiculous. <laughs> I am actually, I'm just so affected by the modern day that I imagined like a Facebook profile that's for blessing and cursing and it set its status as basically, how are you doing? Basically ridiculous. But you mean it's basically ridiculous because blessing and cursing are all, all over the map and the amount of things that they connotate is unhelpful. It's all over the place. It's, um, are we talking about like the things that we throw at each other like casually and just, hey man, bless you. Or are we talking about like Harry Potter right now? Like, where are we going with this thing? This thing is all over the place. Or do I need to put like my nice religious hat on and go like, wow, Sam and Blaine, you guys are going to, you need to go down this rabbit trail today as I can fast forward. Yeah. We're not going to put on the religious hat that we may stop through the other territory. But yes, exactly. They are different where blessing occupies this position basically as 
a verb that's not connected to anything else where, you know, you, and you said it, Hey, bless you. Right. It's like, I didn't just sneeze Blaine, but thank you. (laughs) Dad jokes. Yes. And it goes, Oh no. When you say bless you, good things happen. And we would stop and go, really? No, that's not how it works in the story of God. And then on the cursing side, it's like, are you going to gather together with your fellow witches and make a stick circle and do something crazy to invoke a damaging reality? And we could say, maybe that's slightly closer to the mark, but that treats both of them as these kind of ritual acts that is actually disconnected from the way they're presented in the Bible. Man, that is so good. And can you say it again in English? Yes. Well, actually, I was thinking there's this thing called uh, performative speech theory. And it's like that under certain circumstances, when you say something, it has a kind of magical power. Like when you're saying your wedding vows or when you're picking teams for a soccer game and you say, I pick Larry, it actually does something to Larry's essence in the space of the game. Right. Well, people think that (laughs) blessing and cursing is like that, where you go, I curse you. And that is all that cursing means. It's simply the act of using the word curse to make something bad happen or put a curse on someone in some ritual way. And that you would use the word bless to make something good happen. And that is it. Yeah. You know, all of like the prayers are coming to mind where the phrase goes something like, and I just bless you with this, which could take me down a whole tangent of like, stop saying the word just in prayer. I know. Like, After when I say just crazy, I also say 30 things after that. So it turns out I didn't just want that one thing. Well, yeah. And it's like such this little like, excuse me, pardon me. I don't want to like totally take up your time. I just want to like see if I can sneak off this one little thing and then and then I'll leave you alone. Anyway, that's like we go whole orphan tangent there. But the yeah, the blessing and the cursing thing. Like, I mean, I even think of, I made the sneezing joke earlier, but I do think of that as an example where that began as a practice, not out of like, I want to give you health, but because there was this idea that when you sneeze, you actually lost some health. And so people were going to like put it back in you by saying like, bless you or gesundheit or salud, like it's health. Oh, okay. If you're sneezing, therefore health. And I'm just going to say it like saying the thing is actually going to do the thing. Yeah. Imagine somebody coughs and you just yell at them, health. <laughs> it's like about as effective as it sounds. Right. Well, I, perhaps even more helpful, where it would be more accurate for someone to sneeze and to just spock them and go, live long and prosper. Spocking as a verb. Wow. Speaking of sneezing, we actually have the opposite circumstance right now. If you sneeze or cough in public place, people will actually curse you. Oh, sure. Yeah. These days. And the way that they'll curse you is they'll give you a look, something of that kind. And I go, there is a person who may be ill and you're using your power to have effects in the world to incur more harm. Because we're about to get very like Sermon on the Mountie here with like what goes on in your heart is actually doing the thing. And so somebody coughs behind you at the grocery store. Internally, you may be thinking this adjective about a person that's probably not very good. 
they really should be inside. What the heck is going on? I hate them. They're going to get me sick. All of those things just go on internally. And we're like, that's probably fine. I can have that. Whereas Jesus is like, eh, that's kind of the point. (laughs) That actually like is a problem. Seriously. So your teaser is that blessing and cursing is happening all the time. All the time. And it is actually powerful and formative. And if you've listened to the Anthem's podcast long enough, you know that when we're trying to explore any topic, we try to follow the rule of good Bible readers, which is to go to the beginning. Genesis 1. God is creating the earth. In the beginning, a powerful spiritual creature began to generate a universe, organizes light and darkness, organizes water and land, finally gets to the part where day five, he's going to create animals. And check this out. He goes, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which the water teems with and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Did you notice the little pause there? Did God say, bless you? But they're separate, right? There's an and. He blessed them and he said. Exactly. Well, it depends how you translate the grabber, good point. It would be better to say he blessed them by saying, be fruitful and increase in number. And this is fascinating. The word bless, Old Testament style, Balak, I think, looking at my notes again. I think that's the thing that, that Gandalf says in the Minds of Moria. Yeah, no, that's the other word for friend. Oh, yeah, but, right. oh there it is, Barak. Yeah, to kneel, to bless, to be fruitful. And one of the things to point out in the very first chapter of Genesis is a few things are being introduced. One, God speaks and things happen, and what he says forms the destiny of creatures. So not only does he say exist and they exist, but then he gives them a future. And it's interesting, you look and go, oh, so his blessing was simply using his power to create effects to determine their destiny and go, be fruitful, and they were going to be fruitful. And the consequence of blessing mm. is tov. So knowing things by their fruit, eh? Do you want to give... Now, everybody listening at this point yeah. knows what tov is. And for nobody those... new. No, they all, they all they do. Don't Anybody all that's know. new is going to be like, no, I know. But like for the other new people... <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what is the uber cliff notes on tov? Uber cliff note on tov is it's life... That produces life. That produces life. It's a, it's a seed that will bear a tree with fruit, and the fruit will have seeds that can bear more trees for more fruit. So anything that just ends in a dead end is not good. Does not have tove. Also, go pull up what Anson's volume three. Read a great article on that. That's sort of the litmus test for whether something is good or not in all of those Genesis moments. Yes. That was great. It's almost as though you've marinated in this concept many times. Yeah, gosh. God speaks. He uses his power to create effects to make things better. The consequence of that is tov. The story goes on. 
you get the second creation panel, you get into Genesis 3, where the fall of man is going to take place, and this is where things get real interesting. So, you remember the story. Serpent shows up to the woman, God is holding out on you, don't trust him, seek your destiny apart from God, she does, Adam does, they're afraid, they hide in the bushes, God calls them out, and then this really interesting exchange. The first time cursing comes into the story. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Again, notice, uh, did God say, I curse you? No, but uh, you can see why we would think that. Yeah. It's like there's this if then, this because so type thing. Right. What's so intriguing about that is there is an if then, which our philosophy nerds are getting real into right now. Never mind. We don't we don't need to go down that rabbit trail. So <laughs> <laughs> No. That is like He it. says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. Right? So this is the consequence to a thing you have done. Really interesting mm-hmm. where one of the tensions we're going to get into is that blessing and cursing are both consequences, like a state of things that's a consequence and they're an act. But in this first introduction, the word is arar, and it's tied in with futility and crawl on your belly, eating dust, enmity. What you actually have is the introduction of utility, this is the anti-Tov moment where mm. you have mm-hmm. seeked your destiny apart from God, or if you're the serpent, you've tried to do harm. And the thing that happens is that you live in the state of futility. But it's not exactly a place you want to live. Oh, exactly. Adam's even more interesting. Look at the same thing gets set up. Verse 17, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the true about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles, and you will eat the plants of the field. Much to unpack here. You see the refrain of futility again, and instead of producing life that produces life that produces life, it's going to produce thorns and thistles. But this is a really key moment in actually your reading of the Bible and God's nature, where I thought forever God cursed the ground. Yeah. No, I thought that too. Where does this get in? Uh, That gets in through sin and comes in a few chapters later. The first person to say that God cursed the ground is Lamech, who's the man-slaughtering misogynist. Oh, yeah, that guy. He goes, cursed is the ground because of you. You were put in authority over the earth. You did something that introduced futility. What you did made futility the state of your kingdom. This is super sad because you go, who cursed the ground in Genesis 3? Adam curses the ground Mm. by rebelling and introduces thorns, thistles, toil, labor, and just goes, oh my gosh, so this is, right, what we get on sort of pages one to three, depending on how long your pages are, 
Cursing is this state that exists in opposition to blessing. That's something that happens when you sin and rebel. Well, and it's not just up to God or some spiritual act that brings it about. It's it's action. Maybe cursing isn't like a punishment, like a an axe that falls. It's not the sentence for poor behavior. It is the fruit of the poor behavior itself. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a very good summary. That's what they keep me around for. Recall the series that we did on human nature and the image of God and that whole concept of being God's idol. Yeah, that one made me uncomfortable. <laughs> that, that, that phrase still does. It does. Uh, being both an affirmation of God's right to rule and is representative. One consequence of that is that you should expect that people should do the kinds of things that you see God doing, including having effects in the world. And you go, oh, mm. well, if we are made in the image of God, of course our words could shape reality. If we're made in the image of God with things under our authority, of course we could incur a general doom into the areas where we exercise authority by rebelling, like by, by the violence of our own actions. <sighs> you want to know why I'm sighing? Yeah. It's because it, this is one of those things that ups the stakes. Like if cursing was purely something that you needed, like a newt's tail to accomplish and like a cauldron, then fortunately most people couldn't do it because you would have to have this very intentional uh, Shakespearean act that still happens, that still would go down, but at least it would be the exception, not the rule. But if it's actually something that we all have the power to do and are doing all of the time, it does ring true of the Jesus I see in the gospels of upping the stakes and being like, no, 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 like you, it's not about what you do. It's about what's going on in your heart. It's about what you are dwelling on, what you, where you're letting yourself go internally. That actually matters as well. And it's like, oh, really? Like, I just, I sigh and cringe out of the, I know this is going to end up with me needing to look closely at ways that I might be cursing and not being aware of it. Yes. And the damaging consequences. It is very alarming. It's going to get worse, by the way, as we continue our biblical tour here, traipsing along. Let's turn the page. Mm. Bleep. And we get the story of Cain and Abel. You seem pretty okay with that as my tour guide through this. Oh, let's just see. Let's just read what happens. So uh, Adam and Eve have two kids, Cain and Abel. There's some envy there. Oh, yeah. Cain kills Abel, as you may recall. And Spoiler. Genesis 4, verse 10. You begin to see the pattern. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. Again, you did this thing. Now you are living in the state of cursedness. And one of the consequences of that is the breaking literally of your relationship with the earth, or in this case, you have just lost your livelihood. The earth on which you are dependent for your work and your trade 
is now refusing you. You go, oh, yikes. All that just happened as a consequence of killing his brother in the field. Well, can I just say, even like with that second, third, whatever story, we're already shifting away from God being like the the parent that has to carry out the consequences. They actually, that's back to the upping the stakes thing. As it's God's not just waiting around to go, did you make a good choice or a bad choice? And I've got either the the spanking cursing spoon or the the treats if you do a good job. You tell I'm around a three year old most of the day. Um, I actually don't have a spanking spoon, just so you know, in case you guys are freaking out about that. But it puts the power back into you have an action, you you have choice, you have repercussions. Like there are genuine consequences of potentially massive scale. It's like yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. Okay. It's going to get worse. Uh, let's keep going. We're going to bracket the rest of the book of Genesis. And basically two things end up happening with cursing. One is that it's a quality of a speech act. So you can think of when people are using speech to harm or to negatively influence someone's destiny. Mm-hmm. And they may say he cursed him. And then it'll say what he said. And it'll say, or they cursed. And you'll go, okay, so there is a way of acting. And then there is a state. There is a way of being that is now you're living in the cursed consequences of this. We get into the book of Job, which is the next intriguing stop in our scriptural tour of blessing and cursing. Because if you, say, do like a word study, you're looking, cursing through the Bible, you get to Job and the word curse, you know, you look at it in your inner linear Bible and go, wait a minute, why is the word blessed there? Where it's, maybe they will have cursed God in their heart in Job 1 and it's, the word blesses there. Uh, It really threw me for a little bit until I realized the leading idea is that, one, sanctimonious scribes weren't willing to put the word curse next to God's name, so they just replaced it, and you know in context what it means. The other is this literary brilliant move to show you the theme of the book at the word go, which is what does it mean to be blessed and cursed? Is God mostly blessing or is God cursing? Do humans bless in response or do they curse in response? But The intriguing part for our purposes in this conversation is Satan comes into the council of heaven, the Satan, the accuser, and gives this really ironic speech and goes, oh, Job blesses you, but take away everything, then you'll see how he blesses you. And you go, oh, this seems to be about how Job feels about God. And then it goes on into Job 2.9, and it's talking about all the great things Job does, including making atonement for his sons after a fun party and going, hey, the party was great, but I'm going to make a sacrifice just in case that on accident in their heart, they cursed God. I want to keep that covered. And what you have foregrounded is, wait, motive, emotions, will, all of those things get rolled in. You hinted at the Sermon on the Mountain go, yes. So not just like, yeah, I live under a lot of guilt because I killed someone or my friendships have been strained ever since my friend betrayed me, 
but also I'm having a really hard time hearing God, but I do notice that most of the time when I tune in, my feeling toward God is frustration. Oof. Yeah, you feeling the alarm, alarm level rising? No, because I, uh, no, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, because I've heard this talk before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, because I'm all convicted out this morning. <laughs> That's probably a real state. Oh, I'm sure it is. Oh, I am feeling it. I'm feeling the concern rising. Just like play out those implications. Like that example with God is actually a really good one. What are other systems, family members, relationships, churches, businesses that you are having a repeated theme? In the Ransom Heart world, we call a lot of those agreements, but we know that there's power in those. And to go, oh man, if I'm if I'm walking away from a certain place going, like I hate this. I hate that. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this anymore, or I don't want that to succeed. Like this guy's a jerk. Just open Matthew and go to the fig tree and it'd be like, I hope no one may no one eat of you again is enough. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yes, actually. Jesus just has to say it. You're so right on. Where think of whoa, my motives towards things introduce long-term effects. Man, as I was a student, there would be certain projects that I just went, I hate this paper. And very alarming to think of, wait, 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 my hatred may have actually changed something in the substance of reality that made it worse. Or I think of this example a lot in terms of blessing and cursing, where I go, picture Two, you know, groups of friends in the post-college years who live in sort of the crummy post-college house. And I think most of us can, you know, summon these two sets of characters and go, house number one, they're in the crummy house and they're the ones who just, it just grates on them. They just kind of hate it. And, and now the faucet's broken. Or, oh yeah, that that never works. And then the second one, are the guys who kind of enjoy it. And there is a lighthearted but earnest blessing in like the, yeah, now the shower doesn't work. So we hooked up a shower faucet to the hose outside, but then it got cold. So now we're not showering. And my experience in cases like those is go, oh my gosh, there is a heaviness and a darkness in the first house to the people who are actively sort of hating the futility of the place that they're in versus the people who are using their words to bring life and in so doing are blessing it. There is a palpable difference. Yeah, which is, you know, don't go too far down the rabbit hole mentally of like everybody's causing all of their own problems. Be like the guy that gets in the old car just muttering to himself, there's always something wrong with this car. Like blessing and cursing also exist within the fallen world and with things not being as they were intended to be. So we're also not putting all of the blame on a person's bad attitude. So that that is that is part of the blessing and cursing exist in fallen world and like actually do now enter into those stories that Blaine just shared and go like, wait, okay, I actually do know those scenarios. And I know those scenarios very intimately in different areas of my life. There's the things that I I love and treasure and bless every time I use them or interact with them. And there's the things that I 
oh, there's things that I totally hate. There's aspect, there's house projects like these that I am not, I am not ushering in goodness into that part of my kingdom. Yes. This is a very important moment to pause as you just pointed out and not make the whole world a nail just because we have a new hammer. This is one tool inside a vast set of tools that sort of shows you how life is influenced. No, you're right. Your bad attitude is not uh, ruining your car. There are probably multiple layers of things affecting it, including uh, the fallen world, which has a little bit of like, it might just be that way. That might be the base state of your car. And then the next thing is how do you engage it? On the other hand, it is a, hey, do not ignore or downplay this power. And he talked about uh, agreements, major category. The other one is wounding with go, the the father who you will never amount to anything, mm. right? Or you are a terrible athlete or you are just a total F up and be like, whoa, that's not only painful, it's formative. That person carries a kind of authority and they can actually introduce the state of futility into a person's, you know, professional career. Yikes. Right. Or identity or any number of powerful things. So before we leave the Old Testament to get to the relevant information of the New Testament, uh, there's one other concept that we've talked about before on the podcast, but it is very important in terms of blessing and cursing because it ties in. And it is the Bible word iniquity. I guess translated iniquity sometimes. Uh, But if you listen to the podcast on cursing years ago, you may remember that the word is avah, A-V-A-H. It's the word for crooked. And what it mostly means is the broken state of things because of what you've done. My boy Tim Mackey points out that actually the word for punishment in the Old Testament is just visiting their crookedness upon them, visiting their ava upon them. Just like, you've done this and now we're going to lay the consequences on you and go, oh, wait a minute, that seems to tie in with this blessing and cursing thing where there is a condition There are widespread effects to all of the violent things people do. And that that actually has a name, (laughs) iniquity, which goes, yeah, let's say you had a friend betray you at a key age. And that might not only have harmed your trust. In the sense of iniquity, the sort of brokenness that that introduced uh, might be that Oh, you're actually living in a state where friendships have a broken quality to them. Or Mm. felt growing up lots of hatred for your athletic incompetence. But then you got, you know, you got out of school and things were fine. And now you kind of enjoy riding your mountain bike. And yet in the background, there is this lurking feeling of just of of a lack of life that brings life in terms of your body and goes like, yeah, well, lots of hatred, both from yourself and from other people is a curse that introduces a state that you may still be 
living in. Which brings us to the New Testament. Finally. Lots of heavy implications so far. Can't wait for there to be more. Well, the New Testament is like a, uh, why why is Paul insistent that Christ became a curse for us? Why, from the words that Paul has available, he uses the Greek word katara, which is another airbender reference, uh, (laughs) who is also, in a good way, the female heroine of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I get $2 for every one of you who watches it. (laughs) (laughs) You should at this point. Where's our affiliate link? Paul uses the word katara, which can mean a curse, and it also just means doom. (laughs) Really interesting in the way that that raises the stakes on futility and goes... When he says that you who are under the law are under a curse, where he just goes, you are doomed because you can't do it. And the law will always expose the reality that you can't do it. There is a doomedness to trying to get it right day after day after day. But when he talks about, uh, especially in Galatians, this the curse of the law is fulfilled because Christ became a curse for us. He is hearkening back to this moment. In Isaiah, where the prophet goes, this person's going to come. He's going to carry all of the consequences, all of the Yvonne of the world. He's going to let them crush him, and then that's going to annul them. And go, okay, so the effects of blessing and cursing, the state of blessing and cursing, that's not something that Jesus just leaves out or does not address with his mission, which is kind of a relief. Yeah, I'd say. Why does Jesus become a curse, like fulfill cursing in his body? Well, part of it is to give us this absolutely vital way forward, which is that you are not left under the curse of your wrong actions. Like if you're Adam and you blew it and introduced a curse into the ground, that does not now have to linger forever because there's this resolution. And the important thing for our sort of first what to do with cursing, then what to do with blessing, is like, A, wow, if there is a way forward, that would give some permission to look at ways that we've actually been introducing futility, anti-tove, doom into our worlds just by wanting harm or wishing harm or bringing it in. Or things like, if you're creative, you know how many times in the course of a creative project you will go, I just hate this. I will never finish this. And in so doing, might actually shape it and go, oh, wow, that is a form of cursing. Here's the strategy. When you discover a place that you or someone else has been cursing, not by Probably not by yelling, but maybe I curse my work. I curse my friendships. I curse my landscaping. But by hating it or wishing ill or really blowing it and introducing this state, there's sort of the formulaic approach, which is to simply go, okay, so I know that, right, if you repent and confess and you're forgiven, uh, and I know, okay, out of Galatians 3.13, Christ became a curse for us. So, yes, I renounce cursing and I cut off the curses against my 
truck, marriage, parenting, by the cross of Jesus Christ. And I introduce life, this is out of Romans 5, and go, yep, where Paul, very aware of this dynamic, he's like, one man's offense, sin entered and death ruled the world. Now, through the faithfulness of Jesus, you have the original blessing of Genesis restored, of life that brings life is restored. And so, cut off by the cross of Christ, and I bless with life. And I say, be fruitful to my parenting. And I speak joy, play, fun, creativity into my parenting. Like, not just stopping at, and I bless it instead, but do it. Invoke it. And I speak instead that my marriage will enjoy every benefit of the work of Jesus. Great dates, financial provision, sweet makeout sessions, and so on and so forth. Well, we know what you're trying to get, <laughs> blessing here. I was thinking of body. I was thinking of illness. I'm thinking of like there are a ton of areas where I have felt like a rat trapped at the end of a maze going, there's no way out from this. And actually what you may be in the middle of is cursing that you actually do have the antidote to and blessing is going to be the way out. And again, like the complexity of the fallen world and things not being as they should, like there are, there are dimensions where like what is against your body might be cursing and getting out from under that, whether it's historic, generational, self-spoken, like there's going to be cases where getting out from under that is actually going to bring the health and the life that you have access to. And then there's going to be cases where that doesn't happen. We're in a fallen world and things are not as they should be, but that's not to say that blessing and cursing does not have tremendous power because we are shown over and over again in the Bible, in the gospels that it does. And just to go like, oh, there are places in my life where I am the rat trapped in the maze and seeing that I've been cursing my situation or being cursed from someone else and getting to use the tool that Jesus gave us to get out from under that, like, oh, all of a sudden the walls fall down and I'm no longer stuck there. And then there are other places, specific, like my mind goes to healing or just to go like all the stories of like, you need you need a large understanding and a large worldview to not just be like, wow, Blaine and those Ansons guys, they just try to give me this tool that was like the magic cure-all and it didn't. And therefore this is all getting thrown out and tossing the baby with it. To be like, ah, you just, this is a, this has, this is a massive outwardly expanding world. And this particular category is huge. If you let it be huge and also navigate it well. A massive outwardly expanding world. I loved that. That was awesome. Yeah. You're so, so right. Where it goes, this is not the magic bullet and in this and not to introduce accusation, like you're having uh, career difficulties because there are curses against your career. And if you deal with those, boom, you'll be off to the races and go, maybe, as you said, I've been thinking recently about the simple fact that it takes a very long time to have anything like a coherent picture of the world. There, there are so many people involved. There are so many wills. There are so many motives, so many things that create effects and 
the encouragement here is to add this one to the quiver and begin to strategically apply the power of blessing and cursing. One of the very simple ones is, man, this will really make you curse less as you start paying attention. Where I don't know how many times after sort of this deep dive into this topic, I'd finish sort of a text exchange and just have this, ah, mm. screw that guy. Sorry, everybody. Should have given you a language heads up. Uh, but there's just this sense of, oh, man, that guy is the worst. And all of a sudden I go, oh, my gosh. I'm actually trying – I'm doing something that could do him harm and also could do me harm uh, simply by introducing this toxin into my relational world and to stop and go, oh, no, no. I renounce my cursing. I cancel it in the right. cross of Jesus. I keep the love of God between me and this person. I pray that he experiences you today, Jesus, which is interesting, right. which is a blessing. <laughs> I don't go, I bless him. I go, I pray that he experiences you. <laughs> I'm laughing. May have a great day. There have been moments where I've wished that people would meet Jesus very soon. <laughs> now let's pull this here. Very. Um, there's peace blend of like, I'm assuming that blessing and cursing is actually a fairly new category in the way that we're unpacking it here rather than folks being like, Oh, now this is the way that that plays out. Like this isn't, this isn't the college course. This isn't like how to tell the difference between somebody, somebody in Africa is cursing you, which is, which is also kind of like a nice disengagement card of being like, you, you don't actually have, there's not a nuance. So to go, I am assuming that this is a new category and some of the implications here are how you are feeling, your internal world, your motive, your behavior, your emotions matter and can directly influence the tove or anti-tove of the thing you are dwelling on. Like even just that concept on its own might be mind blowing. Certainly was for me the first time we were diving into this. It, yes, as well as the way that other people are thinking, feeling, talking about you, they might actually be misusing a power that they have. And you might feel when you tune into this and can ask Jesus about it, it becomes really helpful where you might feel bad after leaving a concert because there was something really weird in the spiritual atmosphere. And one major part of it might be that actually a lot of people there were feeling resentment and envy towards you and that that has an effect on how well you feel like you're doing and are doing. And so to have the tool and claim, oh no, I cut off other people's cursing by the cross of Jesus. He became a curse, canceled, carried and canceled the Avon, the iniquity, and disarm this. No, only the love of God between me and people. And you will be astonished that you can actually feel better. And yes, up to this point, we've sort of, not sort of, we have focused mm -hmm. on cursing. Suffice it to say, blessing works the exact same way, where the effect of loving Powerful speech forms reality. It is the ability to introduce life by speaking life. 
Blessing is the thing that happens when a person wields their ability to partner with Jesus' mission. 